Hey everyone and welcome to episode 15 of the Karina Duffy Fitness Podcast. So I'm very excited for you all to hear today's guest and to hear his story. His name is Stephen Griffin. He is a Galway man that I met three weeks ago in Dunleary in Dublin where both of us were speaking at a fitness event. Steve gave a great talk on how he lost £110 in the last year, a cancer survivor and also how he ran his first half marathon, went from hating running to running his first half marathon this year and he's another exciting run ultramarathon coming up next year so Steve goes into great detail about his food about his fitness about how he lost 110 pounds and he's very normal this man loves his scones there's no way he ever gave he's ever given up them scones and jam but he fits it into his daily calories it's very inspiring and Steve is very down to earth and very open in sharing his story which I love he's just like myself so guys I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as I did listening back to it so without further ado Stephen Griffin. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. I'll do a quick introduction and then you can introduce yourself again. And um, so this is Steve Griffin. I met Steve about three weeks ago at an event that Leila organized in Dublin and Steve did a talk there as well and it was Interesting, funny and motivating at the same time. So Steve has lost 110 pounds so far, cancer survivor and ran his first half marathon this year. So well done, Steve. Do you want to introduce yourself a bit more? Yeah, thanks. Um, kind of encapsulates a lot of it, but um, I suppose I'm, I'm 28 and I'm from Galway. Um, and last August, late last August, early uh, last September, I kind of had a, a bit of a stark realization that I, I really had to lose weight after being on a family holiday. And uh, I teamed up with an old buddy of mine, Paul Dermody. And uh, I suppose, short story long, we just started cracking on for the couple of months that came after. Uh, I think in January, he kind of said I was uh, good enough to, to let my, my own wings go and just fly away. And uh, I've just kind of been tipping away since. Um, got into you know, a load of new stuff, but I got into running and like I said, I, I tipped away at my first half there. Um, uh, is it two months ago now? Maybe three, maybe three months ago at this stage. And uh, it's, it's yeah, look, it's been, it's life changing so far. And it genuinely does excite me to see where, you know, it could possibly go. And was that 2018, um, Steve, that you started with Paul when you first started your weight loss journey? Yeah, yeah. So we uh, we went to Lanzarote uh, last August in, in 2018, and literally one picture has completely changed my life. There was one picture taken where I think it was my girlfriend took the photo of me and my brother, and just kept her finger on the shutter. So it took loads and loads and loads of photos at once. But instead of seeing the ones where I had like posed and you know like shoulders back, chest out, kind of making some attempt to look decent, I saw the pictures that came after where I just moved. And I just looked at it and went, holy Christ, that's horrible. I was like, wow, how did I get to there? What what happened? And uh, between that and a comment I got like something like four days ago, four days later when I when I went back to work, uh, which was pretty innocuous. Somebody just asked uh, in a conversation I wasn't really part of, you know, ask Griff. He kind of looks like he knows where to go eat. And between the two things, it just like talk about raging inferno. I just had to go and do something. Yeah, because I've met you and you're quite like you're quite tall, Steve. So you can take a bit of weight, you know, that kind of way where you wouldn't look like you've weight on. But the story you told in the shop where your man was like, oh, I think we have a T-shirt here that might fit you. I was like, oh, God, that's when you were like, that was it. Um, 
so the guy had to look for a t-shirt or something was it and you were oh, that was a, that was a regular occurrence i mean that was uh, like i spent i suppose i spent a good bit in between maybe maybe 130 and the highest i was was 155 kilos so like that's oh, i think it's 24 and a half stone i'm not good at, at, at the maths yeah. but um it was just a regular occurrence i just couldn't shop in shops um wasn't able to walk in and pick up a t-shirt off the rack in, in elveries or lifestyle sports or any of those um trying to find formula wear was a disaster like jeans or chinos anything like that total disaster one of the first kind of big non-scale wins for me i suppose on the flip side for a positive was actually being able to walk in and just pick up a Nike t-shirt and pick up things and not even have to try them on. Just know that I'm a large or that I was an extra large at the time, whatever it was. Because um, I would have always had that, you know, pick it up, that slow walk to the changing room, the panic that starts to ensue as I'm doing it. And then I get to the changing room and I go, shite, it's too small. And it's just, it was heartbreaking. Whereas now I can kind of pick things up with a relative amount of, of confidence, even though there's still a lot of things out there that are like, you know, spray on fit or a super skinny fit, which still just blows my mind. I don't know how this is a thing. Oh, come here. We get that as girls as well. There's certain shops like H&M. It's just like, right, go up three sizes <laughs> because they just don't fit. So come here, you lost 110 pounds in a year, basically then. Uh, yeah, yeah. Myself and Paul were only talking about this recently enough. Um, I think I had lost about 100 pounds in, in about seven or eight months. Wow. And the other few I kind of plateaued a small bit lost a little bit more um so yeah it was it was in around eight or nine months and then I just kind of maintained and then I kind of went through a period where I kind of you know put on five lost five but it didn't bother me in the way that he used to if I, if I had put on weight in the past when I was trying to lose or when I was after being in a period of losing weight it would have bothered me but this time I wasn't like I I had got the knowledge I suppose I hadn't just gone and been told eat this do this I was told, well, you know, this is why you'd eat this or this is how you'd go about getting a calorie deficit and this is how you'd go about losing weight. So I knew exactly what I had to do or what I had to stop doing, I suppose, as the case was. And change the habits. And what were you doing with Paul? How many times a week were you working out? Because that is a good weight loss in that length of time. Like it really is. Uh, yeah, I suppose I, I, I will often say, and I'll, I'll put it out there as a disclaimer, I took a pretty aggressive approach. Um, approach to calorie deficit and I remember having the conversations with Paul where he was like look if you can maintain it that's fine because every day I used to send him my um my screenshots from my fitness pal yeah and he'd be like well look how are you feeling on that and I'm like I'm feeling great and I was but I suppose at 155 kilos I was a relatively and six four ish I was a big machine to go carrying around on you know lower kind of air quotes uh, yeah. calories um, but like I, I felt great. No, there was days where I, I kind of tipped up towards the top scale of it. But for the most part, it was a pretty aggressive um, kind of. A, a, yeah, it was. It was. A, it was a pretty aggressive attack on it. But I trained maybe three, four days a week. Um, kind of as much as I could, you know, because with shift work and stuff, it wasn't easy. And, and it's never an excuse, but it does get in the way. But I kind of increased general activity, which made it a lot easier as well. So like, uh, in hindsight, I was incredibly lazy towards the end of my you know my very fat period whatever you want to yeah. call it um i was just coming in from work you know in a job where i pretty much sit in a car for a, a lot of the day uh or in an office and you know i'd come home and i'd sit down and watch telly from half five until bedtime you know like i did nothing that was a huge problem for me it was just totally 
totally lazy. Uh, whereas, you know, this time I brought my gym bag with me, went to the gym straight after I cut out that whole getting home thing, because if I got home at all, the temptation was there to sit down and watch my favorite shit shows. Um, I munchies. Just, <laughs> oh, the munchies. Yeah. See, that was, that was the real killer and stuff like, you know, just eat or any of those deliveries. They're lethal because then you don't even have to get up. All you have to do is get to the door. You know, and I was just, I was eating share packs of stuff and I wasn't sharing and it was just, it was going <laughs> bad places fast. I love the honesty. Yeah, there's two of us here. Let's get the share pack. <laughs> I know. But the sign is on because, and how did you manage in the deficit? Were you drinking alcohol or did you just balance it out or did you change things up within the seven to eight months? Um, well, I'm supposing I'm kind of lucky, really, because uh, I actually met Paul, uh, who turned out to be my PT in the end, uh, when we worked in a nightclub together. And for years and years, I worked in this nightclub, and it, I wouldn't say it put me off alcohol, but it really changed how I look at it. So I don't really drink that much, um, and I'd seldom do the whole, you know, go out and get blotto thing. Um, yeah. But, the, you know, I mean, there's no reason you, you, you can't go out and have a couple of drinks. I mean... Something I learned very fast in this was it's it's not so much what you do in terms of the drinks. I mean, the drinks aren't that bad. If you have your whatever it is, vodka and, you know, diet seven up or Coke zero, but just be cute about, say, stuff like mixers. Um, but it's the kebab after or the supermax after. It's the next day when you're lying in bed all day and you get the pizza or the Chinese or the share packs of Doritos and you're just eating all day because, you know, you, you need it. Um, I, I found that the next day was actually probably more detrimental than the Saturday night or the Friday night. Yeah, that's what I find is that even with myself and all the girls, the clients, it's the next day because the drink is not that much. You're not going to go out and drink 50,000 calories or you'd be dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the next day. It's a killer. Yeah, because um, yep. yeah, that when, when I set the time frame, I was like, was that 2018? <laughs> because like that's serious determination. Um, to get down and then Paul let you fly the wings then in January yourself and did you take up running then? Uh, yeah, I actually had to argue with the man. It was We, we fell out about very little. I suppose I didn't really fall out this time either but I, it was December <laughs> and he goes, you're perfectly good to go. I was like, no, absolutely not. You're staying with me till after Christmas and he goes, no, you don't really need me. He goes, you know exactly what you have to do. You've been doing it for a few months. I was like, no, no, you're staying. This one last thing is in the way. I just need that accountability. And that's inherently what it was. I needed a PT just watch. You know, I mean, I think we all have a pretty good grasp of good and bad foods, you know, in, you know what people believe are good and bad foods. But I just needed that accountability of somebody watching me and kind of going, so what's you eat? What's you have today? And then once I got past Christmas, it was fine. Um, when did running get into it? Uh, I think I started running closer to summer. Like, I, I haven't really been running and I mean I'm using this very loosely here I'm not more <laughs> far um, but in around summertime I mean I would have always played football and, and, and GA when I was younger so I did a certain amount of running and the laps and sprints and all that crack um, but I think I got into running maybe maybe early summer maybe just before yeah so the, to train for the half marathon then in October you did, it, it wasn't really that long training and you managed to do it in two hours, two hours, 12 minutes. <laughs> uh, I didn't really train. I'm literally the worst. I get questions on Instagram. It's like, <laughs> how, do you, how do you do this for running and how do you do that for running? I'm like, I have no idea. I just put on my shoes and I just go. I just, I have no idea. I don't have, I don't know anything about running. I can't coach it. I haven't been coached. I don't know about 
spits and all this crack. I'm just I like if I feel like running 10k, I'll run 10k. If I feel like running 20, I'll go and do it. Um, I'm starting to get a little bit cuter because as the distances go up, obviously it takes a toll on your body. So I'm I'm getting a bit of information from guys I know that are are good runners, but you know electrolyte drinks on little things like this, taking proper care of myself in terms of you know footwear and insoles and compression socks and that stuff. But yeah, I think what happened was I, I basically. I remember that one of the first days I went running, and I was only thinking about it yesterday when I went running. Um, I passed it. There's a crossroad just off the road, and it's about, if it's half a kilometer out, uh, one of my first days running that, I actually stopped. I got sick. I was like, that's how unfit I was. I, I wasn't massively cardio fit, you know. I wasn't able to run that much. Um, but I was just like, oh, crap, this isn't good. And I just had to kind of have a giggle to myself yesterday when I was thinking, I was like, I'm gearing up for another half in a few weeks. I was like, you know, it's it's a nice change. It's nice to be able to look back and go, geez, that's where I was. This is where I am now. Um, but yeah, I think I signed up for the the half. I ran a, a 10K just out the road in back home again, and I signed up for the half that day. And I was like, sure, look, I'll work towards it because I'm one of these people that needs, I need something tangible in the distance that I can kind of touch and go okay I'm going to work towards that yeah well that's what keeps you going because that's one thing I was going to get on to do you set yourself many little goals and that's well they're not many little goals but they're goals you know so you'll probably run the half marathon and then probably just book the full one next year altogether Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah pretty much is it's kind of how I go I mean I ran the I ran uh, run Galway Bay a couple of weeks ago or months ago and I ended up signing up for this thing in Mayo next year. Uh, it's technically, I probably should have done a, a full marathon first, but I'm planning on running that distance in January. Uh, but I've signed up for this thing next year now. That's going to be 80K up in wow. Mayo. So, yeah, I'm going to die. Um, but I'll give it my best shot. and see what the crack is with it. And it'll be my standard for, it's, I think it's 80K in 11 and a half hours or something like that. It's, it's the Wild Atlantic Ultra or something like that. Wow. Um, said I'd give that a shot but um yeah I found myself when I, I had a period when I didn't really have any targets and I found myself kind of floating and kind of in the comfort zone where I didn't really do anything and I was kind of happy you know myself which isn't a bad thing but I was kind of you know going I ah, sure look I'll have a bit of that now and I'll have a bit of this and sure look it's grand the old and habits were creeping back in exactly so I just kind of had to look at myself one day and go oh oh stall the digger here now and just kind of go right okay 10k bang half marathon bang and i've signed up for this thing which after that there might not be any more goals it might just be the end i don't know steve i might have to come down and cheer you on afterwards when you stop and maybe have a stretcher but fair play to you 80k steve you're talking like this you're talking about this as if it's something that you actually liked doing all the time like you said that you never thought you'd ever run before yeah yeah i let's see i only had this conversation recently with someone and i think when i was overweight um, you know, your mind's going to trick you. Your mind's going to always look for the most comfortable, the nicest, the easiest thing. And I probably told myself that I hate running. I hate it. Stupid. It's it's pointless. Uh, because, I, you know, it was difficult, you know. And for a long time, I probably believed it. Um, I believed that I didn't enjoy it, that I couldn't enjoy it, so I didn't try it. Um, whereas I've just... Uh, I, it's it still makes me kind of smirk and smile when I think about it, but I've just really got into it. And I just the other morning I went for a jog at seven a.m. and you know the sun was just coming up and it was just me and the road and my absolutely shit cheesy tunes, 
and it was just so peaceful and quiet and I was just kind of going like geez I've missed out on this this is amazing um and it kind of just shows you know you should never really set limitations you should just give something a go and give it a go a few times because you know once your experience might lend to thinking that it's not for you but if you do it four or five six times you might start going this isn't so bad yeah and it's it's different training and would you still do weight training our strength and conditioning and all that yeah yeah it's just uh i suppose it probably has taken a little bit of a backseat um purely because i enjoy road running significantly more than i do treadmill running absolutely hate treadmill running oh i it can't just, stand it it bores the backside of me um just and that I, and i'm going to absolutely clatter myself off a treadmill someday because yeah. for, like i have i have the concentration on roads because i don't want to get hit by a truck because you know we don't really have footpaths so i'm kind of you know conscious of that whereas i'm on a treadmill and next thing i've done 10k or 12k and i'm just bored and someday i'm going to step on the side thing it's going to be like the Lucas say that and i want to come flying off it and i'm just going to have to pretend like i'm doing push-ups or something i don't know <laughs> steve for anyone that doesn't know and i know what connemara is like you live in connemara so the most likelihood is you're just running over sheep and stuff and there's no there's no walls half the time isn't there <laughs> it's just... uh, well we're good for walls we're good for walls <laughs> Um, it's just a case of, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly small and there is surprisingly a bit of traffic. Um, so I just kind of have to be a little bit wary because, you know, nothing will curtail your training like getting hit by a car. So, you know. Yeah, you don't want that to happen. No, I've, I've got a mental block from treadmills. I cannot do treadmills because when I worked in the gym, I saw someone do exactly that, fell off boom and next thing they got up and walked off as if it never happened and I was like I can never go on the treadmill again and I remember my trainer at the time was like what's wrong with you I said no not going on that good luck I said I'll be her but I won't get up <laughs> just lying there but um yeah totally agree with you it's, it's gonna happen to me at some stage but I just I hope that I can spend like nine out of ten of my runs just outside fresh air nature rather than you know staring at a little screen telling me how far I run yeah, oh, it's so good for you. And Steve, we're missing the whole big thing here as well. So you got um, you got diagnosed with cancer as well, just around the same time. You were was it around the same time? Uh, no, the cancer would have been. Uh, I was twenty, so 20. it would have been uh, eight years ago. All of eight years ago now. Um, so yeah, I was I was actually working in the same place um, that I met Paul in, and uh, just one day night wasn't feeling well and next thing I'm working I was only working like a three-hour shift um and just became super super unwell during it and uh did the typical thing where I text the mammy and I went Jesus what do you think I should do and she literally just goes look if you don't think you can sleep go to A&E sure Jesus aren't you right beside it I was like yeah I suppose and I went in really not knowing what to expect um I probably didn't expect to spend the next uh, let me see. I think I had surgery on Saturday, so the next guts of a week in there, and uh, to be told I had cancer by the end of it. But yeah, that's what happened. Um, went in, had a load of scans. I was super, super lucky with the, the the medical team I had and the doctors. They were all young, and I think that helped. Uh, not anything against older doctors, but I think the fact that I had such a young medical team, they they could kind of I could relate to them. They could relate to me. And uh, yeah, I think it was the, the Thursday they, they had narrowed it down and they told me I had, I had testicular cancer. Yeah, and they um, 
that's you, you came out of that anyway. I did. I did. Uh, I was really lucky in, in loads of ways, but I, I had a something like a one in a quarter million type of cancer where it just grew really, really, really quickly. But I got it so early that it was isolated in one area. So all I needed was surgery. I didn't need any follow up, uh, say radiotherapy or anything like that. But I just had to basically for the next six or seven years get constant, say, blood tests, MRIs, CAT scans, you know, over the course of maybe a month or every two months, the further out it got. Um, but it, it does change your perception of, of a lot of things, it makes you value a lot of things differently. Um, you know, when you're told that, you know, you, you had cancer and stuff like that, it's something, it's, it's, it's an outlook you wish more people had, but from a, a, an incident that you wish no one has. You know, it's you, you want people to have that stark realization that life is very, very um, precious. But at the same time, you never want somebody to be told they had cancer. God, no. And at that stage, Steve, like, how were you that way at that stage with your weight and all that? Did you get a bit of a, as you said, a bit of a realization or was it a case that you still weren't there yet? Or did the weight, was the weight on at that stage or did it creep on after that? I was never great. I was always the, you know, I was always the big kid and then the big teenager. And, you know, it lended great to being an under 16 footballer because I was like six foot three and fucking couldn't be shouldered. Um, <laughs> but I suppose when I was about 20, I was still a big fella, you know, and I was playing a little bit of rugby, which didn't really lend to getting smaller at the time because I was like, I, I, you know, you'd feed yourself these things that you think, you know, are true. Like, oh, sure, I need to stay big because I, I don't want to be pushed around and all this crack. Um, but it it just skyrocketed. I got really fit maybe when I was 22, 23 um, to get into the, the job I'm in now. And then just it just bit by bit slipped and um, it just really got to its worst there when I was 27. Um, yeah, like I said, 155 kilos, 24 and a half stone. I think it's I was not small. Yeah, because you're quite tall, like you're really tall. So you could probably carry it for the start and not really think about it until, as you said, you're going shopping and then someone makes a comment. Um, so you probably, it just sounded like you got settled into your job. That was it, really. and just settled into being comfortable. Yeah, I think that's a bit of a journey. I think when I, when I got super fit, I was with the PT and they were fantastic. And, you know, they trained the living shite out of me, but I didn't really learn anything. anything. Um, so when I stopped training with them, I just didn't know what to do. You know, I, I hadn't a clue where to go or what to do or how much to have anything to do or eat or any of that crack, you know. So it kind of, I suppose it caught me on the hop, but I mean, that's kind of putting the ball in somebody else's court. I should have put myself in a position to learn better. And, you know, so, I mean, looking back, it's great, but I mean, that's pretty much what happened. I, I kind of stopped doing the, the intensive training that I was doing for maybe four or five months with them. And, uh, just kind of reverted, I guess, and then and then some. Yeah, well, I see you're eating the same thing, and then you, your output has stopped. But you know that now that it's to keep the two going together. How is your diet now, Steve? Um, do you do you watch calories now, or are you just well in tune that you know you kind of have a fair idea you need to pull back that if you're going overboard, or do you count calories anymore, anything like that? I do, I do, yeah. I get a weird, sick pleasure out of counting my calories, <laughs> and I just, I just find a certain satisfaction. Like I, I don't really put uh, attach happiness to numbers. I don't attach happiness to a scale weight. Whilst I do appreciate it, it's just your, you know, your relationship with gravity at the end of the day. 
Um, and I, I don't really attach happiness to staying in a calorie deficit, but I still like the feeling of it. And I, I find myself, I suppose, feeling better about myself when I set my mind to staying in a deficit and I do it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I could probably intuitively eat, but I find the accountability, even though nobody sees it, um, it's still there. I mean, you can sign up on my fitness pal to be each other's friends and you can see what each other are eating. But um, I, I just, I could probably intuitively eat, but I don't particularly fancy it. I think I'd like to just keep tipping away theoretically. I'd like to be as light as I can uh, for next May. I don't particularly fancy trudging 105 or 110 kilos around for 80 kilometers. So I, I'd say I still have a little bit to lose. So I'll, I'll keep trudging away calorie deficit for the next while. And you in a huge calorie deficit now like you were at the beginning or have you just mellowed out a little bit? Yeah, it's not as aggressive as it was. Um, mostly because my, my BMR has fallen a lot. I mean, at 155 kilos, my, my BMR was very high. Um, so, I mean, I was probably able to hit a, a 1,500 calorie deficit a day. If, if it was in around the 3,000 plus the training, like if I was only eating maybe 15 or 1,700 calories, um, I was actually, I was implementing a massive deficit, which explains why a lot of the weight fell off quick. But like, yeah. that's going to be so different for everybody. You know, I mean, at the minute now, I'm probably hitting a, oh, maybe five, 600 calorie deficit a day. Maybe. Yeah. Maintainable. Yeah, it's not, it's, it wouldn't yeah. be, it's, it's enough. Yeah. Well, well, that's a good point. Everybody's different. And definitely if anyone's listened to this, not to kind of pre- um, prescribe just any calories because I know my fitness pal sometimes people when they don't know and they don't get educated go yeah I want to lose three pounds in a week like that's nearly 9,000 calories like where are you going to pull that out of you know so they can sillyly put you on a bit of a massive deficit which is unsustainable for some people and but you kind of proved us wrong there with the first six seven to eight months that you did it but you were determined to do it yeah it was yeah there was it was one of those things that I, I look back on and I think about, I don't know, was it the mindset that, that myself and Paul managed to get me into or was it just the fact that I'd seen that picture and so many things had rushed through my head. I was just, I genuinely was, and I know people say you should never be, but I was genuinely disgusted with myself and I was just I was shocked because it was a brand new t-shirt I'd literally bought it that day and I was absolutely spilling out of it and I was just looking at it going, oh my God, how in the name of fuck did it get to this? Uh, this has to change and this is changing the minute I get back um, and and that's what we did I, I messaged Paul from a sun lounger in Lanzarote and I was like this is happening you know I, I started off with a really shit like oh how's the coffee in Spain or something like I was yeah. like how do you even start this conversation how do you go to one of your you know your old mates and go come here I really need your help to change my life uh, and that's inherently what it was but I mean Paul and his way of working and, and in the same way that any good personal trainer would has changed my life for the entirety of it. Now it's not just a case of the last year and he's doing it with loads of fairness. And I, I love seeing, I love when anyone, you know, that's overweight. I suppose I, I chat to a lot of people now that are overweight and I love seeing people that have had that moment and it's like a switch just goes yeah. in their head. Everything changes, you know, their priorities change, you know, they don't give a shit anymore about watching the chase for two hours they just they want to go for a walk and they want to change because they want to be fit when they're 40 or they want to be fit for their kids or you know it's it, it's wonderful it's just such a nice moment and that's what i got to i got to the whole well i need to be able to play with my kids whether it's it's football or playing the playground with them or whatever it is you know down the line 
and I just I, I couldn't see it happening if I was 27 and 24 and a half stone and it wasn't changing you know that was only going to go one way and it wasn't going to lead to a better quality of life down the line absolutely not and I think the fact it was probably a shit thing at the time but when your man said that to you oh sure griff there know where to eat um like would that have been about 90 percent of going well listen fuck you now <laughs> I'm going to show you I yeah I was only I, I think I shared this I don't know, yesterday the day before and it's just it's something like I said earlier myself and Paul and followed about a great deal but we disagreed on one or two things and my outlook on a lot of things like this was totally different to his he's real water off a duck's back he's so laid back if he was any more laid back the guy would be on the floor but I am much more of a, a fire in my belly I don't know have you ever heard of David Goggins yeah <laughs> I'm a huge 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 Goggins fan I can just relate to the guy so much his book and some of his ideologies and mantras have just helped me so, so much. I'm a real, hold on to this, I'm going to show that guy, you know, fuck him, basically. And something I heard that, I suppose, helped me with this, um, do you know Brian Keane? Oh, of course. <laughs> Brian, Brian has a thing where he says, uh, fire is powerful. It can light up your whole house, but it can burn it down as well. Yeah, and it's 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 just so so true. It's it's really how you handle it. Like I, I can take that now. I wasn't always able to take that. Obviously, I, I didn't take negatively all that well for a long time. I, I ended up looking for comfort at the bottom of a tub of Ben and Jerry's, whereas now I can take that and go. You know, I almost want somebody to tell me, "What the fuck are you doing doing that? You're never be able." I actually want that. I want somebody to do that to me now, so I can go. You know what? You sit back, you enjoy this, and watch me, because. You know, it just it just adds so much fuel to my fire. It's like somebody's spraying lighter fluid all over it. Yeah, I'm a bit like that now as well. But when people cop onto it, then they kind of use it and you're like, oh, I know what you're at now here. <laughs> Karina will never empty the dishwasher. She'll never be able. And then she's at super speed emptying the dishwasher. Where now I'm like certain things, I'm like, yeah, I'll use the fire in certain things. But that happened to me when I left school. I started slowly putting on weight all the time. I was blaming this pill that I was on, a new contraceptive pill, mad thing. So I was blaming everything but the fact that I was depressed out of my head. And I remember Dad said to me one day, he was like, I, I had a bar of chocolate. My thing was chocolate and orange juice. How disgusting is that like? I cannot look at orange juice in the same light ever again and chocolate together. Disgusting. Heartburn city. And Dad said to me on the chair, if you eat any more of that creamy, you won't be able to get out of the chair, let alone get into it. And I just went, a light bulb moment like that went off and I just went, oh, he's fucking right. <laughs> I was like, now I was thick. I was thick and I was angry for like a good few weeks. And then dad had an old bike out in the shed. I pulled in the bike into the conservatory, went on the bike every evening with a black bin bag. Now I don't advise this for anyone unless you're a boxer. <laughs> a black bin bag taped around me with salad tape sweated the buckets out of myself, had two little dumbbells back in the room then and did the dumbbells. And three months later, I got down to my original weight again. But I needed that. I needed that person to say to me, look at the size of you. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah, I just, I don't know which I want to address first, the chocolate and the orange juice or the black <laughs> I I tell people this and they be like, because now I'm so slim, but like, I just, I've learned how, to, it's not that I try to be slim, it's just the way I am now. I'm just so active, like my movement is just constant with the kids and stuff. But I do know if I stop and let myself, if I don't move, 
the old habits of creep back in. But yeah, the black bin bag, I really don't advise it now. And shamelessly, like I would have said to my clients years ago when I was uneducated, hop on a bike and get the black bin bag. Salitape it up to you, put a hole in it, put it on your body, then put your clothes on, salitape it up and sweat. <laughs> so let's just Very rocky. It's, it's very like, <laughs> you know, run up the steps of Philadelphia City Hall with the black bin bag on you. It, it's, yeah, that's, that's extreme. But I... I like chocolate orange. You know, I like Terry's and I like the new twirl, but chocolate and orange juice just doesn't sound good. Absolutely disgusting. And I wouldn't mind at the time my skin was fucking terrible. And I was wondering why, like, sure, it wasn't the fact that I was eating chocolate to come out my ears and drinking the most acidic drink in the world was orange juice. Oh, mank. But um, yeah, so that was that. But sometimes you need people to say, like, don't, like, it's, it's heartbreaking when some people say something to you. But at the same time, we need a push like I'm the type of person and I'd say you're the same. I need a push. I need someone to say, you'll never be able to do that. And I'm like, well, watch this space, bitch, because I'm telling you now, you've eaten them words. <laughs> so I'm a bit like that. I need it. Um, and I think so, I think sometimes people need to hear it. I suppose if someone's listened to this and they have that relative who's holding weight or they have that person who's drinking themselves into whole, like it's okay to say it. Like, you know, it's it kind of get it across in a nice way going, well, you know, now there, you know, would you join the gym or do you want to come with me? Because sometimes you need it. And do you know Trisha's transformations? You you follow her, don't you? I do, yeah. Trisha's lovely. Yeah, Trisha's transformations. She's the same. She has her sisters there to go, hold on a minute now. Are you secret eating again? Are you going back? Are you regressing? And sometimes you just need the stark reality of going, yeah, I'm just being a lazy bitch again. And I need to get it out. Um, Steve, you love scones. Are you ever going to give them up? No, <laughs> you shouldn't do either. <laughs> nope, they're never, ever leaving my diet. And that was the best thing. I would have spent years going, you know, like there's, you know, everyone has this notion or perceived notion of like good and bad foods. You know, this is good. This is bad. This is healthy. This will make you fat. And white bread generally would have fallen into this will make you fat thing. And I would have believed this for years and years and years and years. And I would have like just absolutely guzzled down. Like there would have been periods in my life there where I put like coconut oil and coffee. I would have eaten fucking six avocados a day. Like it was just stupid notions that I read on, you know, bodybuilding.com or men's health or something. And without the full context, I just picked out the headlines and I went, ooh, avocados are healthy. But scones are one of those too. And like that was one of the first things. I just stopped this good and bad food thing. There was no good and bad foods. This was my calorie budget, just like a like a financial budget. This is the restraints I have to work in if I want this to work. And scones, thankfully, were well able to fit into that budget. Um, I've learned that scones themselves, the actual scone, wasn't all that bad. Uh, although I can make it significantly more calorific by, you know, the amount of butter or the amount of jams or whatever so it's it's more about being conscious about the stuff you put on it i think really but it shows that you can have your favorite things like i absolutely adore scones they're like my favorite thing in the world um but if i had to cut out my favorite stuff like this diet wouldn't have gone so well you know it's just it's torture if you if you tell yourself you can't have any of your favorite stuff anymore like it's just it's on it's kind of unfair um because then you're you're making it into this 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 hardship you're giving yourself an end date i mean I've, I've had people message me and they're like oh yeah i'm on a diet i can't wait to finish and I'm like what you mean oh yeah well like i'm finishing up there the 30th of november i'm like yeah but why well that's six weeks or eight weeks and i was like oh okay and i just 
I think if you can find a way to live every day for the rest of your life in a nice, consistent manner, you know, a sustainable manner, it doesn't have to have an end date. I mean, fitness never has an end date. Now, I'm not going to continue losing weight for the rest of my life, but I understand now how to maintain. And if I go up a few pounds, I know how to lose them. And scones are well and truly in that. Yeah, no, you shouldn't because that's like I've been on a diet all my life up until a few years ago when I learned that it's it's not fair. It's not fair on you. Like I would go on extreme diets to the case a few years ago when I was just blocking out from personal stuff that was going on. And one of the ways of dealing with it or blocking it out was going on a diet. And not only did I suffer, my kids suffered it, to a point where I broke up with my boyfriend at the time. Well, I'd say we broke up about five times now already, but we're back again. <laughs> he keeps on saying we're not doing it this time again. But the reason was for it because I'd go to such extremes with things to block out personal stuff that was going on. I always took it out on the diets to the point where I do no carbs, did this stupid peony competition that I never actually even did to the point where I was getting all the wrong advice from all the different PTs and it was no carbs, like, and eat what you want but just don't eat any carbs so literally fluctuate weight then um, decreasing it again up and down and it's not good for your head at all and you it takes a while to find that balance you found it now and I don't I'd say you're as happy as peak and shite you'll never go back I'd say no no and and like you said there I've done those diets and I've, I've done the absolutely ridiculous stuff like the bodybuilding broccoli chicken fucking oh, six day. I've done that too <laughs> I, I mean I tried the shakes and I'd be the first one to say it I tried this I ordered it I don't know was it Groupon or Living Social one of them I ordered this box of powder basically um, came in sachets with all these lovely flavours you know raspberry cheesecake and all this they all tasted the same they all tasted shit and it was like three of these shakes a day for the rest of fucking forever and I think it was like I think it was 900 calories altogether for a day. So if you can imagine me at 24 and a half stone trying Jeez. to consume nothing but three shakes a day, I was like, oh, that's not going to go well. And I mean, after about a week, I know I'd say that's a lie. I didn't even make a week. I'd say about four or five days. But the headaches, I was in absolute agony. I was like, nope, fuck this, and straight out in the bin. Um, but yeah, I, I've reached a point where and I think knowledge is a massive thing of it. Um, you know, I, I've learned how to eat and I've learned that, you know, you can make smarter decisions, you know, than always going for the most calorific thing. I mean, I like stuff like Kinder Fingers, throwing like 100 calories instead of a 230 or 40 calorie Snickers. You know, little things like that, they all add up over time. You're, you're saving 100, 120 calories of the Slimster breads instead of maybe burger buns, you know. You're, you're cutting 100 or 150 calories out at a time and little things like that add up over the course of a day or over the course of a week. Yeah, absolutely. Who actually changed my mind? And now that I'll say this quote, the dangers in the dose, Brian Keane Fitness. Um, definitely, uh, would you say that you were listen, like that? You were just reading a snippet in a magazine? Because that's what I used to do. I used to read a snippet in a magazine and run with it. It was the Atkins diet at the time. Take snippets out here and there, but not actually get the facts and not actually get the right information. Where after reading Brian Keane's first book, I was like, being a PT for all these years, I was like, somebody actually made sense. Somebody actually put it down in black and white that this is the way it is. You know, can't remember the fitness mindset his book is or something like that. But did you find that that definitely 
obviously now because you found Paul and you're following Brian and you're following the right people, were you really influenced before with the men with the six pack and the magazine and stuff? Massively. Yeah, yeah, sure. If you look at the covers of any of these magazines, it's, you know, it, it, there's always a massive promise and a really small window. It's six yeah. pack in four weeks. It's, you know, 21 inch biceps, two months. You know, it's always, it draws you in. But yeah, I would have trusted pretty much anybody with the six pack. I would have basically said if they have a six pack and big arms, they know what they're doing. So why wouldn't I listen to them? Whereas I've learned since that some of these people don't have a very healthy relationship with food either. You know, they, they, they might have totally different values to me. I mean, I don't, I don't put massive value on, on having a six pack or giant, massive, massive biceps. You know, it's, it's not something that at the minute I'm, totally consumed with whilst I appreciate the amount of work that has to go into it um, it's not something I, I strive for right now but I would have gone to all the wrong people I would have followed the wrong people on Instagram um, I've, it's something I did very early on it was like a I don't know what you call it, like a social media cull where I, I kind of started unfollowing maybe people that weren't helping um, as much you know, people that I didn't trust as much, I, I kind of narrowed down that circle. And the people that I do take advice off now, is it's very limited, very yeah. limited. And the rest of the people, like, I wouldn't be a prick about it. Uh, I'd listen and I wouldn't get into a full-blown argument. I'd, I'd try and try as much as I can to stay away from that. But I just don't let it sink in because, you know, I, I've learned that if people can't give me a why, I generally don't listen. So if someone says, well, like, you have to eat fish five times a week, you know, I go, why? And they say, well, it's good for you. And why is it good for you? You know, it's, it's one of the first things, and I'm brutal. I ask questions all day, every day. I drive people demented. But in this sense, it actually helped. You know, if people couldn't back up what they're telling me to do at the time with actual reasoning, I was just going, sure, it's pointless. If you can't tell me why you're doing it, why, why are you pushing on other people? Yeah, exactly. I was the same. I used to listen to people with six packs and girls with big bums and all that. And that's not what I really wanted, really, deep down. Like, I don't have the body shape for it. I have a boy shape. It's never going to happen unless I'm squatting 40,000 times a day. So it's just learn to accept it and not to, not everybody's going to look the same. But um, have you, just for instance, we'll say now, even with my own clients, um, Steve, a lot of them still have a mental block when it comes to tracking food and it's causing overeating. Do you have any advice for them? Well, sorry, go expand. Just can you expand as well? It's just, so, I don't want to... let's just say they, they don't want to track food, obviously, because we'll say like that you love scones, like they have this perception that they just still have to give up certain foods and they don't want to track and they're loosely tracking. Um, because they're still not being truthful about it. Have you, some people just say to me, I just hate tracking food cream. I'm not doing it. I just don't like doing it. And I'm like, well, just maybe write it down. Take a mental note, just write it down somewhere so you can know that if you had five cakes today that you need to pull back tomorrow. But for anyone that has that mental block, is there any way, like you love tracking. I saw the last day that you're even tracking Supermax, the new um, grilled chicken homemade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so is there any way that they can actually get to love it or maybe set themselves like, or maybe like it's so hard sometimes for people because when they think they're tracking food that they're restricted. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose there's a few bits to touch on. Um, 
I, I don't think tracking food has to be restrictive. I genuinely don't. I think you can, and I've, I've, I've lived it. I felt it myself. I've had my favorite things. I've had scones. I've had chocolates. I put chocolate in my breakfast on a regular basis. I throw it into my porridge, and you know, and I've had people going, "Oh my God, isn't that counterproductive?" I'm like, "No, fits inside of my calories. It's perfectly fine." You know, the the, the seventy calorie child size Kinder finger in my porridge makes it taste <laughs> better. Makes me eat it. I'm full for a good portion of my morning into my afternoon, and it makes it a fucking lot more tasty. So don't don't hate on me just because I like a bit of chopped in porridge. Um, I can have my scones. You know, my dinners. Now I'm a boring eater. That's the only thing. It's always a disclaimer I put out there because I get a lot of this. You know, can you tell me what you eat every day? Um, I'm an awful, awful boring eater. I will prep my food, and it'll be chili con carnies and. You know, I'll have chicken fillets and I'll just basically have chicken fillet burgers, maybe some sweet potatoes, uh, some rice with my chicken. Like, I'm awful boring, so I'm not a great person to ask that question of. But um, I would, for anyone that's overweight, in the way that I was, I would advise tracking religiously, just for a little while. Just as a, and if not as a, a weight loss tool. I mean, it doesn't matter if you track and it goes over the calories that you're, you're you know, you're allocated. But just track to open your eyes a small bit. Um, you know, I I walked around Tesco. I scanned things. I looked like an idiot, I'd say. <laughs> I walked around Tesco and I was just kind of going, holy crap. Because I would have always thought that like white bread, you know, this was so bad. And it was always in the papers that white bread was horrendous. So I was going around scanning stuff at Tesco going, oh, it's only, you know, 85 calories a slice. That's that's not a lot. And, you know, I was kind of going around going bleep, bleep, bleep all the way through the aisles. I'd say at least had security watching me thinking this guy's nuts. But <laughs> I would, I'd, I'd advise tracking in the sense that it just, if you have a basic enough understanding of calories and calorie consumption and energy balance, you'll forever know how to lose weight. Um, you'll always know how to get back into a deficit you'll know that a surplus won't help you lose weight. I mean, people message me and they say, I'm in a deficit, but I'm not losing weight. Uh, and as far as I'm aware, scientifically, that can't happen. Um, yeah, exactly. But if, you, if you have just the basic amount of knowledge in terms of it, and that'll come from doing it over a sustained period of time, do it for three or four weeks and just do it all day, everything you have. It's not always easy. Sometimes you kind of have to go looking for something similar you know uh, you're not able to get your granny's scones on <laughs> my fitness card, but you'll find something similar in size um but you know it'll it, it just opens your eyes a little bit and that was one of the big things for me i mean you know the you know those tiny little butters you get in cafes you know the yeah. tiny little rats? i think they're like 65 calories and from one of them go, yeah i think so yeah the, the Kerrygold ones are like 65 or 70 calories and like I would have gone and put like one of those on each half of the scone. So I was like tipping on at 130, 140 calories of butter. Never mind the jam and the scone. So it just kind of, my eyes just wide open and I just kind of went, okay, okay. Little things like this, cut out one of the butters. You know, I'd, it's not obsessive either. Jeez, I've had people going, oh my God, calorie counting so obsessive. No, I don't think it is. I think it's an educational tool. 
I completely agree with you. It's and, a complete, like I've never tracked calories only up until two years ago. And I was, I've went to loads of PTs and they were all relatively good in their own way. But I'm like you, I needed a why for everything. And when I wasn't getting it, I was just being a, a bit of a PT slut. I was going around and I've been a PT for 10 years myself. And I've just gone around to different PTs and nobody was giving me what I needed to give me, what I, the information that I needed. And I just educated myself on tracking. And that's the only way to do it. You don't have to be a PT. You don't have to be like a dietitian to track your own food that you like, which is deadly. But like little, I love that the way you track the butter. Like even that now, I didn't track that. Mm. <laughs> you know, Because to me, I was like, oh, it's only a piece of butter where two of them is a bar of chocolate. I prefer to have that instead in the evening. Yeah, it's and that's what I mean. I mean, it's when I was whatever it was, 24 and a half stone, 155 kilos, I hadn't a clue. I just thought certain things are bad, certain things are good. That's completely gone. And it kind of went hand in hand with starting to count things. So I counted calories and I started learning that, okay, this is actually so bad. Um, and I think James Smith nails it. He's like, when people say it's obsessive, like you wouldn't give out to somebody or say they're obsessive for checking a bank balance. Absolutely. You know, and why would you do it to somebody who's counting calories? It's the same general principle you're working inside the restraints of a budget you're trying to save a certain amount but you're trying to live your life the best you can with the rest and it's kind of the same whether you're talking about calories or financially euros or pounds or whatever it is so i i just i do genuinely think that counting calories and i wouldn't push it on anybody but i i just think that for somebody who's overweight it's an eye opener yeah it's a given. I think it's a given. I wouldn't push it on people because, as you said, people have to be ready. You had to be ready and open to it. And the trigger, somebody, the, the penny will drop and the light bulb moment will come on at some stage. And that's it. People will realize then that, oh, I need to do something about this. And if anyone's listening to this, the first thing I would do is just get onto my fitness pal and start tracking what everything that you eat, regardless. Don't even go into a deficit. And then you'll have the realization of, Jesus, I'm on 400 and a half. 4,500 calories a day, this is where the problem is. And slowly backtrack, slowly come down, you know, because I suppose if you go too hard too soon, like your body will go into a bit of what's going on here. <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's always the chance of a crash and burn. But the number one thing, and it's going to sound ridiculous, that I noticed from counting calories was liquid calories. Oh, very good, I actually. Was, I was destroying myself. I was like, I, I'm a guard, so I'm in the car a lot. So, you know, you'd be drinking coffee. And I know it's, it's cliche, yeah, the coffee. I don't really eat that many donuts. Coffee and um, donuts, I was just about to say. Yeah, I, I could see <laughs> a couple and I was like, no, no, no. Yeah, coffee and scones, <laughs> the Irish version. Carry but I was, yeah, it's applicable. I was in Kerry for a long time. Um, but I was drinking like three or four um, lattes or cappuccinos a day. And I didn't, like, I love coffee. I absolutely adore good quality coffee. So I have no problem drinking black coffee. But for some reason, I found myself drinking these massive, massive lattes and cappuccinos. So I was consuming like eight or 900 calories worth of Drinks. fancy coffees. And then I was drinking stuff like Coke on top of it. So I was consuming like maybe twelve or 1,300 calories a day on liquid calories. Wow, it's like, a lot, isn't it? Just be, and it, it's a lot of unnecessary. Like I'm, I'm able to go now, and I think it was last week, I, I set myself just this target of just little to no liquid calories. And it's so much more achievable than people would think. Because I had one or two people message me going, that's, you know, you can't do that. And I know that a lot of the zero drinks have like, you know, 
two calories or one calorie per 250 mils, but you know what I mean, within normal restraints, I was Coke Zero, black coffee, you know, water. It's it's really not that difficult, you know, especially nowadays there's so many different zero drinks and but geez fancy coffees were kicking my ass and this time of year you know with all these fucking spice pumpkin oh i know and full of cream and everything um i like that challenge steve the the no liquid calories i really do like that because it's it's the small things that push you over and i would have been like that when i was working in town full-time Every go, Karina, go out. Will you do the coffee run? And next thing you come back with shitloads of coffee, bit a few McDonald's here and there, and scones. And now I prefer the scone than the cappuccino because it's more filling. It's going to satisfy you a bit more as well, do you know. I uh, I haven't had a cappuccino or a latte since last August, and I don't. Wow. Miss- I've had a hot chocolate now, mind, but that was more so out of absolute fucking freezing cold a couple of weeks. Actually, the day after the event down in Kildare Village, I was fucking freezing and i was like no nothing is going to satisfy me now other than a hot chocolate and you know what it still fell within my freaking thing so it wasn't (laughs) that bad so you don't um do you just drink black coffee now yeah you see i love coffee so i I don't know like in hindsight i'm just like why why in the name of christ was i throwing oodles and oodles of milk and syrups and shite into it wasting Uh, calories totally but totally detecting from the the taste of the coffee i mean i mean I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to it. I won't drink shit coffee, but I really, really appreciate good quality coffee. So I have no problem sitting there with the black coffee now. I, I don't see this. I mean, coffee for me is kind of a social outlet as well. You know, going and sitting and chatting to someone over a cup of coffee, phones away, just having the chats. And, you know, that was dangerous too because same thing, would have sat down, big, dirty, feckin' Starbucks mocha frappuccino with a hundred million calories in it. Um, but it's just such such a tiny thing that you can change that can have such a big profound effect over the course of a week. I mean, if I was drinking a thousand liquid calories a day over the course of a week, it's 7,000 calories. It's two pounds. It's two pounds a weight. Pounds a week, yeah. Yeah. So that kind of kind of shows the whole aggressive thing that kind of makes sense now. Yeah, it does. It makes sense. Do you find, Paul, I know now that this is your day off and I don't want to go over too much. Do you find that you had a, would you find that you'd have a ripple effect with people around you now? The people in your circle, are they kind of being a little bit conscious or are they kind of maybe doing a few more healthy things or are they just like, oh, screw it? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I especially say, I suppose, within a familial sense, um, we would have been just three boys in the house, you know, and we, we would have drank a lot of Coke, a lot, a lot of Coke. And I've seen that the house has changed now to Coke Zero, uh, which is one small but not insignificant thing. Um, I see the mammy and the daddy asking questions now about such a thing. Is there a lot of calories in this? What's the story with it? You know, little things like that. I'd never, I, I just having been there, I'd never aggressively go at somebody, you know. Just, yeah. It shouldn't be eating that. I'd never, ever, ever do it. And if I ever do it to anyone, please slap me. Um, but just having been there, I've seen that it doesn't really work. Because like you said earlier, if you don't want um, the help at a given time, you're not going to accept it. No, definitely uh, not. You border on, I hate saying it, but you kind of border on fat shaming if you go at someone when they don't want it. I mean, that's how... Yeah. They, I would have perceived it if someone starts telling me you shouldn't be that it'll make you fatter I kind of go 
oh, that's kind of harsh. But if I was like I was in August and September, I could take it on board. Um, but yeah, I've seen little things, little things like that. The hoax hero kind of creeping in and people kind of, and a big thing is, you know, the, you know, the, uh, what do they call it? The, the serving suggestion on the side of like a, a rice box or something. And it's usually, it's like half a bag. Yeah. I've seen people kind of cop on and go, oh shit, I would have been eating the whole bag. You know, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that's, it's only half a bag. It's actually 300 calories and that, not 150. 150 is only half the thing. And they're going, oh fuck. You know, just little, little eye-opening moments like that. Yeah, no, it's, it is. It's the little things that add up. Um, Steve, I think that's it, really. I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to do um, and your training. Well, as you say, you're going, just going to ride the wave and with the ACK. But um, for anyone that wants, that's listening and that doesn't know where to find you, where will they find you? Uh, I am on Instagram. Um, I tried the Facebook thing and I have just kind of grown out of Facebook, would you believe? I just, it's not something I enjoy anymore uh, but I'm on Instagram I'm Steve's weight loss with underscore things Steve's underscore weight underscore loss um, I do an awful lot of rambling on it so bear with me and I do absolutely ridiculous cheesy tunes on my playlist <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> but I have to say you do have good tips on there like I used to love Supermax when I lived in Galway like every Sunday Supermax um, but definitely you do have good tips up there too at the same time when you have little bits of food and different things that people with classes oh, I can't eat that that's a Supermax that's the devil's food <laughs> so. I was pleasantly surprised myself last week when I walked in there and they had this whole menu of light stuff and low calorie stuff I was just kind of sitting there going Pat what a guy what a guy. <laughs> well, everybody's getting a little bit. I do think like if you're going in, it's like going in buying a car. You have the more expensive BMW, but then you have the smaller BMW. Like you need to fit within people's budgets and people's means and likes. Obviously, if you really want to go all out and have the shite, you'll have it. But it just depends on what given day it is and how many calories are left in your budget and stuff. Do you know, and that's yeah. the way I look at it. It's about how you react to a lot of things, too. You know, it's, have the stuff if you want it. Go by all means, have it, but don't don't torture yourself for the next couple of days. Just go on and get back at it. Yeah, exactly. Using it as a bit of a weapon. That's what I used to do in the past, and I can't stress it enough for people. It's not good. Like it has an overall effect on not only you, everyone around you. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, Steve, if you're ever starting any little challenges like that as well with the no liquid, will you give me a tag and I'll get all my girls on board as well, and we'll all I do will. it. Yeah, if you ever have any little challenges, let me know. Give me a tag on Instagram and um, I'll, get I'll get people on board. Sound. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Hashtag Steve's little challenges. <laughs> <laughs> We're making it thing. But we are like kids at the end of the day. We do need certain things to keep us going, to be fair, like little challenges and new things and little shiny objects to go, oh, reach for the 80K down a Mayo, you know. Like <laughs> something, something to keep it fresh and shiny. Yeah, that's all. Steve, thanks so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it because um, I know it's your day off. Um, definitely anyone listening to this, start following Steve, especially like even to get a little bit of inspo as well, um, like to go from 5K to 80K next year doing running. Like that's brilliant. It's amazing. You might even inspire me now to do half a marathon, Steve. I'll see. <laughs> no, which one? We might run it together. 
Well, listen, Stefan and another girl are always looking for running buddies. Like like that, we just rock up to a 10K, no training, kill ourselves, but then afterwards go, geez, that wasn't that bad. Mm. <laughs> I'm a bit like that myself. I don't particularly do training, but I know I should do. If, as a PT, I'm like, no, 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 you need to do your splits. You need to do your long and shorts. But um, sometimes you just have to go for it and see how you go. It's the, uh, the forest gump mantra i think yeah i think so just, just run just run just do it and steve i'm going to let you go because um so you can enjoy the rest of your day off and thanks so much for being on the podcast today thanks for having me deadly thanks steve Bye. Bye. thanks so much guys for listening to the episode i hope you really enjoyed it and got a bit of worth out of it as always, I will leave Steve's Instagram handle in the show notes. Please give myself and Steve a tag if you enjoyed the show or did you get a bit of worth out of it. We'd love some feedback. You can tag us on Instagram at Karina Duffy Fitness and you can tag Steve underscore weight underscore loss on Instagram also. So guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. And as always, you can press the subscribe button and you'll get instantly notified of any up and coming podcasts that I upload. Have a great day, guys, and thanks so much for listening.